Knock, knock. No way, we had to go the other way. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Screen vomit. S- green vomit who? Screen vomit from chips. <laughs> <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> no, but I, I like ye. <laughs> Welcome to Screen Vomit, friends. <laughs> the only movie podcast for weird-ass freaks like us, and by that what? we mean normal people. <laughs> hey, get me... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was thinking, if this podcast for freaks, get me off this freaky coaster. Freaks are the new normal, baby. Get with it. And I'm the number one freak uh, slash normal, Kayla, and here with me, dare I say, my best pal, Kali J. hello Aw, cute. Um, yeah. We're having a cute intro today. What's up? Um, what up? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I popped off at the beginning, and that was all my brain had to give today. Boom, power down. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm trying to trying to zazz myself up with the... That's why I used the accent yeah. earlier. I thought, I thought if I tried an accent, I'd get happier, but <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> And folks, these are the methods we're resorting to these days to get one ounce of serotonin in the brain. Hey, you know what, what actually gave me some serotonin today? What? Was watching uh, this this episode's movie. Woo! And we did pick such a movie. And by we, I mean me. I suggested this movie. Yeah, I you think. did. We picked the 2014 movie Maps to the Stars, which <sighs> I I think I just found absolutely randomly through like a movie group I'm in. I had never heard of this before. Like when it came out, I don't have any memory of this like existing before randomly finding it in this movie group, which seems zero. crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. I have z- had zero. My only knowledge maybe of it was like pretty much every time i watched the fly which is like every other year i will just be like oh yeah cronenberg like what's he up to lately and i'm sure i've scanned his filmography and seen this title you what scan <laughs> scanner did he direct scanners yeah <laughs> okay uh spoiler alert have you seen scanners no and it's um... not good Actually, what will uh, unfortunately come out here in a minute is I don't think I've seen any Cronenberg film. Yo, not even The Fly with Goldblum? No, which is nuts, oh, right? Like, I mean, that's I like nuts. I know that of these movies, I've like heard of them. I know sure, sure. certain things about each. Like, obviously, I know the head explode guy from Scanners, but mm-hmm. like, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a film of his. So, sorry. That's crazy. <laughs> I have no, um, unfortunately, no expertise to like pull from for you know relating this movie to his other movies uh for this ep and that's why we're normal we're not geniuses right no (laughs) what do you have a fave cronenberg have you seen like many of his movies or i've seen uh, so the fly is my favorite just hands Uh down it holds up so well it's stunning it's gross it's fucking wild and nasty but Mm. like totally fun scanners I didn't like. I heard it was bad. (laughs) It's just like, the head explosion is very fucking cool, but the rest of it is just kind of like this swing and a miss sci-fi mute, like mutant race kind of thing. Okay. And then Videodrome uh, is actually pretty fun. Videodrome's real weird, almost kind of Lynchian. 
it, like it doesn't make a ton of sense and it melds in between realities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very fun and the body horror in that, uh, of which Cronenberg is often like lauded for in his early work, especially. Yeah. The body horror in Videodrome is, is great. Videodrome is definitely worth watching. Scanners is not. And that's all I've seen of Cronenberg, okay. I believe. Yeah. I was wondering, like, because I know those like three movies from his early filmography are like yeah. considered to be pretty iconic but that's like what is that like 40 years ago now like yeah um, i'm wondering like how his newer stuff i mean we obviously just watched this movie but like you know what's his newer stuff like like do people like that too i don't know <laughs> i don't know his son's directing now too so maybe we'll do one of his son's movies in the future oh yeah he put out uh, a history of violence in 2005 and that was like pretty well lauded i think maybe an academy award nomination even mm. but i never saw it i do want to say um before we get too far into this discussion i want a trigger warning for incest theme in this yeah. movie so um there's your warning up top incest themes i would say skip the episode because yeah. incest <laughs> themes are he- the movie is, in- is incest themes yeah that was surprising to me. We'll get to it. So, um, yeah. All right. Do you want to read the cast list for this one? Yes. So the cast list is wild and it rocks. Yes. Julianne Moore from Gloria Bell, our PBT. first episode. Yes. Very first. Children of Men, which is fucking rocks. Yes. The Hours, which I've never seen. One of her most iconic roles, I think. Like as far as what people know her from, I think yeah. The Hours is pretty up there. Yeah. John Cusack. From High Fidelity, Love and Mercy, one of my favorite movies. John Cusack rocks. Mm-hmm. I love John Cusack. Sure, yeah. John and Joan. They're both they're both rocking. We got Carrie Fisher from Star Wars and mm-hmm. Star Wars and the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yes, R.I.P. Of course, Carrie Fisher. R.I.P. to the King. Little cameo in this, and uh, she kills it. Mm-hmm. The probably the reason we watch this movie, Robert Pattinson <laughs> from like one of the reasons <laughs> from oh I don't know Good Time High Life The Devil All the Time The Lighthouse uh, this podcast fifth movie that we've done for <laughs> Robert Pattinson <laughs> The Patton Stands are back baby <laughs> we got Olivia Williams she plays uh, the the kid's mom and she is from of course the the sixth sense. Yeah, baby. Uh, what what are we looking at cricket score wise? Okay, critic scores. I'll tell you, not looking great. We have Rotten Tomatoes coming in with a hot sixty one. Okay, my, I would say my, maybe a mild sixty one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Metacritic sixty seven and Google users sixty five. A, a good general consensus for uh, no maps wild to cards stars. here. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, we're not used to this. We got no jokes now. <laughs> Kind of screwed us over. Our comedy careers are over, uh, unfortunately, due to this movie. That being Without said, a doubt. let's watch the trailer. Okay. <laughs> I thought that it was a meet. I didn't know that I was going to have to read. And then the casting director, who I know doesn't even acknowledge me. She just walks right by without saying a word. And then she says they want to put me on tape. And I'm like, excuse me, but you need special makeup for that. Or you look green. And she says, well, you can either tape or not. Like, it's all some pointless exercise. And I just can't take it anymore, Jacob. I'm so and it's so pathetic. Your mother, of course, was Clarice Taggart, the wonderful actress who died tragically in a fire. What is it like starring in a remake of a movie and essentially playing your mother? Scary. (laughs) Where'd you come in from? Jupiter. 
Now you have tinsel time. What are you going to do? This isn't a very glamorous job. I would be the most loyal, most confident, most grateful personal assistant you've ever had. I hired a girl. It's amazing. Why is it amazing? She was burned in a fire. You going to hurt me, Agatha? I think she may be back. I don't know if she's dangerous. This part, it's a reimagining. It's a second chance. I told you to stay away from us. I was afraid because of what you did. You blame yourself for the night I burned, don't you? <laughs> You don't mind that I requested you. I think you're a little crazy. Go back to Kansas, Dorothy. Secrets kill. Wow, the trailer was so intense. Yeah. <laughs> If you are looking for a movie, folks, that has, yeah. I'm talking child-on-child -child violence, I'm talking a depressing sex scene, and one of the funniest grocery orders I've ever heard, this is the movie for you. <laughs> this movie was so surprising to me. Well, first of all, I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't I've either. never seen a Cronenberg, and I... You know, we've said it on the pod before that we try and go in as blind as possible. So I'd never seen a trailer. I'd never, all I had was like a short synopsis from Letterboxd, yeah. which barely says anything. So <laughs> really didn't know what to expect and was surprised in so many ways by this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's all positive, but yeah. I also found myself comparing it to a lot of movies we'd done before on the pod. Same, yeah. Um, because it has some characteristics that I'd say are relatively unique to some films that we've done on the pod before are evident in this movie as well, which was surprising to me. And also, what timing, because we just did The Devil all the time, uh, and the like, kind of timeline and character intertwining from this movie was pretty reminiscent of that, yeah, I think. Yeah, very similar. I think it's done a little better in this movie, but yeah, it's similar where like, people are individuals and they weave in and out of each other's stories and each other's lives and yeah it's intertwining vignettes almost yeah and i felt like that was like i mean it's obviously not novel but like pretty unique thing about devil all the time the way they did that yeah um, totally and so to see that we just did that movie yeah <laughs> and to see like that same mechanism being used in this movie was like you know what a coincidence yeah I saw myself likening it in tone sometimes to Gone Girl. Oh, really? I didn't get that one. Just... I have four movies I pulled out that I really thought reminded me of this one. Okay, wh what, what are your four? Okay, so I already said Devil yeah, All the yeah, Time. Yeah. Secondly, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Okay. It's like how it kind of starts out sort of normal and then builds to like absolute insanity and like violence that you never saw coming. Yes. Um, yeah. I felt that from Killing of a Sacred Deer into this movie. Obviously, cinematography, not even close. But, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but as far as like just that kind of the build to the climax mm -hmm. and the climax being so absurd and insane. And then Honey Boy, which is like the crazy child actor yeah, kind of yeah. thing going on. And then lastly, 
and this one really surprised me, um, Death of Dick Long. Same. Just like the yes. over-exaggerated like absurdity and like depravity of these characters and um, kind of tackling that really taboo topic of incest. <laughs> yeah. And in Death of Dick Long, it's bestiality. <laughs> Using that really taboo topic and, you know, approaching it also with comedy and horror at the same time. Very tonally mixed. Yeah. One second, you're, you're not sure if you're supposed to be laughing at their foibles or if it's this, like, horrific tragedy that's happening. Yeah. And also just, like, and we've said this in, in that episode as well, Death of Dick Long, just, like, how the things that are happening sometimes are so over the top that, like, you can separate yourself from the reality of it, but also you still feel for the characters. I don't know. It, yeah. <laughs> you don't get too crazy about, like, the fucked up stuff that's happening. Like, it doesn't seem as fucked up just because everything else is so over the top and, like, wild. No, without a doubt. Okay. For ex- <laughs> I was hoping that made no, sense coming totally. out. <laughs> For, just, it's hard to really put into words. <laughs> it really is. But, like, the way I, I look at it is... Incest is a theme throughout the movie, and it is, it starts out fairly muted, but it becomes very apparent and in your face. And mm-hmm. with that, uh, a 13-year-old doing uh, drugs yeah, <laughs> and partying with, like, older kids, it didn't feel that bad. It wasn't mm-hmm. that shocking to see a 13-year-old. That's a child. That's not even a teenager. Right. Like, that's a baby. Because each of the characters in this movie, like, have such exaggerated stories and like such you know dramatic things happening to them that it's like sure there's like a token of reality to all these things and I guess it's not to say that 13 year olds don't do drugs or can't you know have those issues but like the amount of things each character has going on with them it's like so over the top that it brings in like a surrealism to it yeah um, which is fun Death of Dick Long did have like the amount of genre bouncing it went through and like mm-hmm. story changes it did feel like a fantasy almost mm-hmm. and i feel the same way about this one this felt yeah. like this fantasy movie it, it's not our reality but it it's pretty damn close let's just get into it let's start from the top okay. <laughs> yeah we already kind of mentioned that we kind of jump around from different people's stories so there are a few different characters in here and we don't really it's not really revealed to us how they're connected until later on in the movie but they are all connected Mm -hmm. i mean on that i just think the screenplay of this is kind of genius there's stuff revealed at the beginning before you know how it connects to the story too so like if you go back once you know you just find more and more and i think that's just it's so cool in this movie yeah they did such a good job with it they did way better than devil all the time <laughs> yeah it's this really it's not as slow i i think that's really what it is no. is it's just literally it's an hour difference between movies but it still feels it doesn't feel rushed like it doesn't feel like they're revealing too much uh all at once no, just enough just enough every scene something relevant to the plot happens it's very cut tight yeah you know every scene there's jokes there's easter eggs there's hints for what's to come Uh, like foreshadowing stuff there's character development in every slice nothing is wasted it is a very like precise movie in that way and that's so cool it is (laughs) they did such a good job with this with the screenplay on this one totally (laughs) 
Uh, and then obviously with the all-star fucking cast of this movie, just totally brought it to life. To- and yeah. Kicked ass. Yeah. This is the perfect use of this cast. You can rely upon these people to carry... One of these actors can carry a movie and oftentimes yeah. is forced to, but like all of these people together, it just... It's a bop. It moves. It's a bop. Certified. Certified bop. By us. Yeah. <laughs> Not by anyone else, apparently. I love hearing <laughs> all of these actors talk. It was great. Yeah. And half of them are English. Everybody has an American accent, mm-hmm. though, in this movie. So also... Not even talking, boy, just standing there. Hello. This is... (laughs) Smoking hot cast. Yes. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore's character. An ultimate babe. Yes. And she's a number one. Yeah. And then having this like... I don't want to be too crass on this podcast, but having kind of like this fading fame, kind of like sad sluttiness. I don't know. Yeah. How else to say it? Uh, it, was, it was hot. It was hot. Oh, we'll, we'll save that. Yeah. Put that in a Ziploc for later, baby, till we get to it. Um, <laughs> so let's start going through the actual movie because yeah. we're just going to spill all the tea at top. Yeah. All right. So we start the movie meeting Agatha, who is Mia Vasikavska's character. Well pronounced. Uh, I listened to her say her own name earlier. Okay. I was going to say, you definitely watched it in an interview or something. <laughs> and I still don't think I did a great job because that's the first time I've said it out loud. But, I, you know, oftentimes when we get people with crazy names, I'll tell you, folks behind the curtain, I really try to find out how to pronounce these people's names. The problem is there are not videos of their names being said online. When they're on night shows and stuff, when they mm-hmm. put the clips up, those clips are cut. The part where their name is said is cut out. Oh, they don't so, say like, they don't show Colbert going like, and my next guest, Mia Vasakowska. No, they don't show that part. They cut it out just to the interview. I know so, what you mean. Like folks, right when they're sitting down. I try. Yes. I try. I do try. Mia Vasakowska. Okay. That's that's, what I that's great. Because I, lo- I watched a video of her actually saying her own name earlier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. We do try. Yeah. So just want you to know. We, so we start with her character, Agatha, who is a burn victim. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, you don't even really notice that she's a burn victim, I would say. And what's cool about her character is that the more that's revealed about her past and her story mm-hmm. to the viewer, the more visible and pronounced her scar tissue becomes. That rules. I think that's awesome. I, like, I didn't even notice that. Looking back, it totally happens. Like, Because at first I thought, am I going crazy? Because I didn't even know she had burns when her character's first introduced. Yeah. And then later they talk about her being a burn person. And the more it is, like, the more you go on through the movie, the more you're like, oh, I guess she does have burns. And then they just seem to grow and grow. And they do. Yeah. In one of the final scenes, she's wearing a, a dress. It's the first time you see her back, her bare her back. arms and her back. And, and it's mm-hmm. just like... At that point, you're like, oh, my God, of course. And you see the mm-hmm. burns everywhere. But, yeah, at the beginning. She wears those long gloves for most of the movie, And I, I noticed, like, even her haircut is, it, you, you can tell that her character got that haircut to hide burns. Yeah, it's, she has bangs. She has, like, a bob that kind of covers her face a little bit. Yeah, just as a f- thematic device or a, a film device, that rocks. 
I just, that's yeah. very simple to do, but so effective. And just practically, it probably made it easier on like the makeup. Yeah. Not having to try and match the scars exactly from the day before shooting too. Yeah. I guess what we're saying is every movie should do this. Yeah. <laughs> just shoehorn it in. Uh, RP, our boy, Robert Pattinson, uh-huh. instantly revealed in the movie. I thought they might wait to reveal it. I know. I was... reveal. But no. Big phew for me. I was like, all right, we're just setting me up for success here. Where is he? Where is he? Okay, here he is. (laughs) Um, He had an interesting American accent for this movie. He's, look. Our boy is off the rails. And you know what? We got to stand. I love it. Lindsay asked me the other day. She's just like, Mm -hmm. you think he's a good actor? And I was like, he's an incredible actor. (laughs) He's incredible. He's outstanding. Uh, we, yeah. we brought up, like, The Lighthouse, and, and I was like, he's incredible in The Lighthouse. And she was like, his accent isn't that good in The Lighthouse. No. And I'm like, yes, it is. It has to be. No, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> My boy. My boy is not an accent pro, and he refuses to actually get <laughs> training for accents, which we have to stand the commitment. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> So good. He's iconic. Incredible. He's iconic. Doesn't give one care nope. about it. No, nope. and people keep hiring him. <laughs> he lets it flow out. And guess what I heard uh, in some interviews was that they had to sign him to get this movie made. <laughs> <laughs> they tried and tried to get this movie made, even with Julian Moore attached and everything. And uh, RP was the token that pushed it over the oh edge my God. to where they could get funding and get this movie made. <laughs> Oh, my God. So I think that is iconic. Have to stand. Um, love the choice. It's so he, I, I, we should do a bonus episode someday just about Robert Pattinson and his importance to like his impact on Hollywood. He has changed it. Sure. I'm also down to do uh, every Pattinson movie in his filmography. <laughs> Oh, God. Eventually. <laughs> we'll fucking get there, babies. No. <laughs> the boy is busy. <laughs> anyway. I just want to know what's going on with him. Oh, okay. Have you ter- have you heard about his Batman thing? Well, what about it? He will not get strong for the role. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, not getting in shape. Iconic. He just won't get in shape for the role. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't go to a dialect coach for that one no. either. So he's going to sound unhinged. And he's I be... am so excited for it. I mean, he's not like terribly out of shape. I did see a video of him trying to learn how to tumble and he could not tumble. He's lanky and gangly. <laughs> he's not, yeah, he's not an action hero. He's got a little bit of like some arms going on. Like he's not like fat or any, like by no. any means, but uh, he's just not defined like that. No. He's um, he's very lucky. And we stand him for that, okay? Shush, audience, we stand him for that. Forever. Because same, if, if you don't know, me and Kali, we have huge biceps. Incredibly Triceps, huge. we got them all. The muscles, boof, boof, they're booming. Yeah. But do we have defined tummies? No. Not one bit. And do we care? No, because bit. we're buff as hell already. Hell yeah. <laughs> I just love lifting up metal and rubber all day. We lift, bro. We lift. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Oh, man, we're getting loose. And this is great. We're loose. We're unhinged. Guess what? We're back in comedy. Hey! Um, <laughs> All we needed to do was dissect Robert Pattinson a little bit, and it's yes. like, here yeah. it is. Here's that gear. Guess what? Serotonin increasing. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> we have gotten two lines into my notes, uh, my five-page notes. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so Robert Pattinson is a fake limo driver <laughs> because his limo is not actually a limo. It's a Lincoln Town car. Well, they were out of limos that day. Which I think is pretty funny. Um, I have a life story that's relevant. For my 13th birthday, TBT, I begged my parents, all I want is to ride around in a limo. I don't care where I go. Yeah. I don't care. any. I just want to ride in a limo with my friends. I think that would be so cool. So my parents are notoriously cheap and don't care about me and don't love me because they bought the cheapest limo they could find, which was $90 for two hours. <sighs> and uh, it was like a green station wagon. <laughs> Brutal. It was a green station wagon that was maybe slightly longer than a normal station wagon. <laughs> But guess what, baby? I rode around in that bad boy with my two besties for two yeah, hours. Yeah, give me two hours. And I did not know. I was 13. I did not know where to tell the driver to go. So I was just like, downtown. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we're downtown. Now where? And I was like, uh, back home. <laughs> downtown again. <laughs> so we drove around uh, the circle of downtown Indianapolis. Okay. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> trademarked indianapolis story could not be more indianapolis than that so <laughs> um okay back to the movie that's a funny story though isn't it? i think it is agatha has rented this fake limo she gives a sort of backstory that she's from florida at least mm -hmm. she's coming from florida and robert pattinson calls himself an actor slash writer. Oh, yeah. And his character is actually based on the writer of the screenplay for this movie, who, when he first moved to L.A., was also a chauffeur. Sure. RP described his character as the type of guy who would always say he's an actor even if he never acts. Yep. That... <laughs> it's like a classic L.A. guy. He's like, my character would never call himself a limo driver, no. even though that's what he is. He is an actor slash writer. Yeah, it really <laughs> reminds me of some of the characters on Vanderpump Rules in the early seasons uh, for my Bravo ads out there. They're just like 23-year-olds <laughs> in LA and they're just like, yeah, I'm just bartending until I hit it big in modeling. It's like... Yeah, and he's like, this is like 90% of everyone in LA. Yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, and Agatha also asks for a map to the stars right up top. So we got the titular line ding, right ding, up top. Just, just like Devil all the time. I appreciated it. It's so wild yeah. that we watch these movies right after each other. It really other. is. But in this movie... Having the titular line right up top was not corny. No. Can't explain why, but uh, Devil All Time was corny. This one, not corny. So, this... you know, there's the ruling. Judges have ruled. Yeah, it's because <laughs> of the context. And this, I understand it, or understood it to be at least like, oh, here's this young girl who's coming out to L.A. to see if she can get her shot. And she's getting an, a limo because she wants to feel luxurious. And I'm just like, okay, like, Sure. It makes sense if she's from Florida, but like the, with her burns, the more that she reveals herself, like the more, mm -hmm. the less secure I feel I didn't feel know her. if I thought that, I didn't know if I thought that she was coming out to like shoot her shot in Hollywood. I, 
I don't really know what I felt that she was just kind of exploring. I got that or tourist. The big vibes. L.A. Yeah, tourist yeah. kind of thing for me. So she makes RP drive to a random location right under the Hollywood sign, and we get a little foreshadowing here, which I thought was so cool. And I didn't. I had like light bulb towards the end of the movie when we find out some more things. Mm-hmm. It's just like an empty plot of land, and she's like, "Oh, I thought." There would be a marker here, whatever. She says an actor's name used to live here and his house burned down. And uh, RP is like, oh, isn't that the star of Bad Babysitter? And she says, oh, yeah, I guess you could say I'm the original Bad Babysitter. Oh. Ah! <laughs> Damn. Who, <laughs> And that, I think, was genius level foreshadowing because you don't even pay attention to it. No. When it happens. Everything in this is very disarming. It's very disarming for a while. Yeah. And I think with stuff like that, because I just happened to remember that line because I was like, at first I was like, is Bad Babysitter a real movie? I don't know. So I looked it up. Uh, It's not, by the way. (laughs) Could be. So that's the only reason why I even remembered that happened. So I feel like this is a thing where you could go back and watch this and pick up something new every time, I think. I think so. Because I also was just watching clips on YouTube too prior to recording and still was like catching things I didn't catch the first time. Like things are sticking Mm. out that didn't stick with me. So yeah, I think this is a movie that constitutes a rewatch and will be worth it, I think. Oh, for sure. So after the bad babysitter line, we do shift over to this asshole child star. Yeah. And he rocked. I love him. God damn it. He's so good. He's such a little shit. Just like. (laughs) He plays his character perfectly. And with the fucking like energy drink thing. Oh my God. God. I was dying. Yeah. Constantly sucking down an energy drink. This kid also has not done anything since this movie in 2014. And I wonder what he's up to. He probably got scarred from having to play such a douchebag. Maybe so. I don't know. No, he, I don't know why, because he was so good in this. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, So we meet him like roasting his manager and like, imagine because they're like, these people exist like managers of shitty child stars who are like, you're 20 years older than this, 20 plus years older than this kid. And you just have to like take him like fucking railing on you every day. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, and he's your boss. They're visiting <laughs> a a child in a hospital, almost like Make a Wish Foundation thing. He's trying to get some good publicity for some stunts he pulled recently, where uh, they don't go into details, but he had some kind of drug incident. Yeah. And he's in twelve steps now, which is hilarious because his character is thirteen. <laughs> but yeah, so they're trying to get some good publicity to make up for whatever bad stuff that he did. So they go to see this girl in the hospital who has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, and he just (laughs) freaks out because his, like, manager told him the wrong disease. Said that she had AIDS. Yeah! (laughs) AIDS is not funny, but (laughs) he does do some bits on non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. He's like, what's non? Like, it's either Hodgkin's or it's (laughs) not. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. All right, stand-up comedian gold. (laughs) He rocks. Then soon after that, we meet his dad, who's John Cusack, uh, who's doing, like, corny philosophy lines, like, strolling through the kitchen. Yeah. And he's a classic, like, celeb therapist, like, probably on TV, has written books kind of guy. He sucks. Like, he's so just, like, (laughs) 
Cusack does it so well to just be this like he's so corny does not give barely gives a shit around the people around them only to the degree that it affects him mm-hmm. and just full of himself thinks he's spouting out gold and it's just bullshit he's like a classic like self-help guru type totally. guy totally it's just nonsense yeah <laughs> uh, and he is treating in the first scene he's like working with Julianne Moore right mm-hmm. And they're doing, like, regressive bondage therapy. <laughs> it's weird. I was like... It's like super L.A. bullshit. You know they're doing all kinds of crazy-ass therapies out there. <laughs> yeah, everyone in Vanderpump Rules does Reiki. Okay, yeah. yeah I have, it's... like, three friends here in Chicago that are Reiki practitioners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just woo-woo stuff. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, to be clear, me and Colin are both in actual real therapy, so. Yeah, yeah. We're not. It's not that we don't believe in therapy, but. I also, what I firmly don't believe in is I do not want my therapist to touch my butt. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Love you, Nancy, but no. Uh, Yeah, don't touch our butts. Yeah, bottom line. (laughs) Oh, and that's the bottom line. Hey. <laughs> so this is our introduction to Julianne Moore's character as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems like a hot mess. <sighs> Emphasis on Her the hot. character, oh yeah, baby, uh, stole the fucking show yeah, for this movie. Really With did. all these incredible actors, Julianne Moore stands out because she gets some of the coolest stuff that happens in this movie. The way she plays this, she's iconic. Just in general, she's iconic. Totally. In this movie, she's iconic. We love her so much. So she's like a struggling actor and also a drug addict. She oh, yeah. seems to be popping many pills, including painkillers and mood-altering pills, uh, all kinds of stuff. All mixing that with booze. Yeah. It rocks. And she is suffering from some PTSD from her dead actress mom, who died in a fire in 1976 and allegedly physically and sexually abused her. Yeah. Another tie to Devil All the Time, which also dealt with PTSD due to your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soon after we meet her character, we do see her have the threesome. Oh, uh, <laughs> thank God for this scene. As we all know, uh, this movie plays on Hollywood stereotypes and Hollywood people are sexual deviants. Yes. The only types of people who would participate in a threesome. <laughs> yeah. TBH, Lindsay is watching the like new L word. I thought you were going to say Lindsay asked you to do a threesome. No, no. We did just talk about a threesome, though, because she's watching the new L word. Yeah. Which takes place in I'm LA. Glad she's watching I it. I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a threesome just happened. And mm-hmm. Lindsay's oh, yeah. just like... I know exactly where she's Lindsay's at. like, mm-hmm. this is such a bad idea. This sucks. Like, th- there's yeah. too many people involved in this. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I agree. There are. It's also a bad idea just in the show because of what's happening with the individual characters. Yeah. It is a bad idea. I don't know. I've never done a threesome IRL. Oh, me neither. <laughs> but I know many people who have. Gross. But I don't quite, I don't quite understand... It's uh, what all goes down there. That's okay. One... I'm okay with being a big baby who doesn't do drugs and doesn't do threesomes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine for me. <laughs> Seems like a lot going on there. I think I would be overwhelmed. <laughs> I, that's what I'm, I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much. Nothing against it. Yo, if that's your bag and you can make it work, more power to you. Yeah, it. if you can handle it, go off. Yeah, go off, sis. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, now that we're done sex shaming. Um, <laughs> no, this scene was 
wild, though. Like, a it, tr- it, there's a lot going on here for just being like a goofy threesome scene. There's a lot happening. Okay, folks, we yeah. we see two pairs of boobs. Yes, we see dong. Yes, <laughs> and two movies in a row with dong. We see ball we just had Mandy too. The the boy is straight up jacking off, which he also was in Mandy. So it's wild that we're doing these. It's two just movies dick in movies. <laughs> Uh, we love a dong shot. And that's like three out of four for our last movies, right? Yeah. Because Gone Girl also had dong. <laughs> oh, man. We're really getting hits. We're doing the kind of movies I want to see. <laughs> movies that show dong. If I know that a movie where I'm suggesting is going to have dong in it, I know Colin's down. Oh, without a doubt. Down. Yeah. I'm just always curious <laughs> in what context. Yeah. And like, what's it look like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> You uh, never know. No, this scene was the guy like stops and takes a phone call, and then Julianne Moore and this other girl like keep kissing, but Julianne Moore's not into it. It ends with her being like, "Well, I guess I'm just not a very good dyke," and like leaving. Yeah, it's well, the girl turns into her mom for a second. Oh yeah, yeah. And so she screams and runs outside, and yeah, she says like, "I guess I'm just a bad dyke," which seems like you know just whatever she's saying but we later find out is related to her ptsd because we see her mom say it yeah so that then potentially like the whole scene was her kind of reenacting her trauma because when we see her mom's ghost she says the line yeah and also her mom mentioned that her stepdad was maybe fucked up too so maybe it was like fully her stepdad was involved in her childhood trauma we don't really know yeah she's all sorts of fucked up uh, with, with All sorts of trauma. fucked up. And when the guy comes out of the house, he's like, oh, just take a Klonopin and chill or whatever. Another like, insane, just like, oh, it's California. Yes. And like, folks, I don't know if you're familiar with Klonopin, but it's a pretty intense drug. And I yeah. only know that because my mom was an addict who took Klonopin and it would so fuck her up. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not just like something chill you can like pop and be better. Uh, it's very intense. So <laughs> the scene is heavy. Yeah. Um. So then we meet Carrie Fisher pretty soon after yeah. this as well. Who she just has like a small role in this movie and she plays herself. Just like which a cameo, yeah. She's just Julianne Moore's friend. Julianne Moore, like her character is, she's a washed up kind of A-list actress. So she knows everyone in Hollywood. She's constantly name dropping people or like, oh, I knew the casting director. I knew the director of this film. Oh, I know him personally or whatever. And she knows Carrie Fisher and keeps asking Carrie Fisher to hook her up with assistance which I think is kind of funny. Yeah. So Carrie Fisher does just that and brings in the burn girl, uh, Agatha, from the beginning, who she met online. (laughs) So she brings in Agatha, who's a burn victim. And Agatha lies about her story at this point, but we don't know it's a lie Mm -hmm. yet. That she says she locked herself in a closet during an electrical fire when she was 12, and that's why she's burned up, Uh, which we later find out is not true. But... Julianne Moore, because of her woo-woo LA-ness, thinks of Agatha as like a sign from the universe because she's dealing with her mom who died in a fire. She's dealing with like that death. And then Agatha, who survived a fire, comes into her life. So she's like, oh, this is kismet. What a little freak. But honestly, I probably would do the same thing. (laughs) Uh, Am I a woo-woo freak? You know, maybe. To some degree, we all are. (laughs) 
You're less of a woo-woo freak than I am, I would say. Yes. <laughs> but you're open to it. I'm open to woo-woo. Counts. Being open is the important part, because yeah. who knows? Um, so Agatha is becoming obsessed with Robert Pattinson's character, which who would? Yep. Let's I'm be like, honest. It makes sense. <laughs> Also, just side note, I watch some stuff, like some press and stuff that they did, just the two of them together, and they have such a cute, like, friendship. They have really cute chemistry. Yeah, they're great. (laughs) So she's becoming obsessed with him, and she suggests that they write an incest movie together. Yeah. Um, Okay, what is this, Inception? (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding. Uh, Because talking about writing an incest movie during an incest movie yeah she just drops that her parents are brother and sister yeah um way too casually yeah um i'm gonna get into this later because it's gonna be more apparent but i struggled with her and the brother character in this movie because i just related a little too hard to them i think yeah and uh this trauma dropping (laughs) unfortunately a characteristic of mine that i'm working on but uh it didn't help for me didn't help my case of relating to her (laughs) so she asks uh rp on a date but he's like uh sorry i think you're a little bit of a freak yeah he enforces boundaries you know (laughs) well that's one way to say it he also does say that he's seeing someone else but is that true? That seems like a lie due to what happens later. Yeah. No, it's a lie, clearly. It's clearly a lie. Uh, so we go back to the boy, young asshole actor. Mm-hmm. He's talking to his therapist when he says that uh, his sister always wanted to marry him and would do like a little marriage ceremony. ceremony. Yeah. He drops the story of when he was six or seven, his sister did this marriage ceremony and gave him a bunch of pills that she said were vitamins. And he woke up in the hospital and doesn't really know what happened, but then never saw his sister again. Normal. Yeah. Also, something I noticed throughout this movie, which seems strange to me, is that a lot of this movie looks like the background is green screen, even when like normal stuff is happening. Yeah. I don't really know what was going on there, but... uh... It looked fine to me. Yeah. I didn't notice anything. (laughs) I just would notice it sometimes. It was all right. Why the green screen so much? Maybe because they had a small budget. I saw something. Where did they film? They filmed partially in LA. This was actually the first movie that Cronenberg uh, has done that has filmed in America at all. That's what I, I remember seeing After like, like that. a 50-year career. So um, he they filmed a little bit in LA and then a lot in Toronto. Okay. They also did have, I guess, a relatively small... Their budget was $13 million. That's like relatively small for like having all these crazy-ass actors in there and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they only box office four million. Yeah. Womp womp. Something definitely <laughs> happened with this movie. Because we never heard of it with all these people in it. Yeah. That something had to go wrong. I don't know. And it was at Cannes and everything. Yeah. Was it was it nominated for the Palme d'Or. This should have been a big hit. At Cannes, Julianne Moore won Best Actress. So, like, it had award. It's won several awards. I don't know. Studio was it's behind it. It's a mystery. It. Yeah. So, Julianne Moore then tells... John Cusack about her new assistant like oh it's so funny it's kismet because I got a burn girl assistant and the man turns white yeah. he's terrified because what's seeming to be pieced together is that this girl is part of that family she is the sister who drugged the brother mm-hmm. she is John Cusack's estranged daughter so it's kind of seeming like that's where this is going yes and also 
this poem is being read kind of throughout this movie. Yeah. The poem Liberté by Paul Eluard, which is a cool poem. It was written during the French Resistance. It's a very famous poem in French in Mm -hmm. France. And the way they use it in this movie is really cool because it kind of ties into like, I don't know, like a desperate love kind of or like a desperate need sort of thing. Yeah. Kind of what they're using it for in this movie. I mean, you could even say that like every one of these main characters just feels to some degree they're just sad. They're all lonely and yeah and depressed people yeah and they're just you know putting on these fronts and like seeking outward validation from people in their careers and lacking things internally <laughs> yeah it doesn't seem like any of them are doing anything they particularly enjoy it, it doesn't seem that any of them feel that they have any beliefs they all just feel very yeah. very shallow and vapid and just kind of doing it because other people give a shit about it and they're all like walking trauma bombs oh without a doubt (laughs) it reminds me kayla and i when we were chatting before recording we were talking about like being a teenager and being so self-conscious and with low self-esteem and just like like adhering to norms that later on you realize you don't give a shit about and Mm -hmm. i i feel like that's that's right we have deep combos okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like a, a big theme of this movie is the, you know, ultimate shallowness of, like, celebrity culture. And... Sure. And Hollywood uh, in general of just... None of this is actually, you know, meaning anything. We're all just kind of jerking each other off, but to, for nothing. Like, none of us really mm-hmm. believe in this thing. I wrote here at one point, there's a scene, the little brother, Benji, 13-year-old, he's trying to go through 12-step, and it's not... Because he wants to be sober. Because he really doesn't want to be sober. He's doing it to atone. To, like, show penance to the public. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this movie's positing that celebrities have this fucked up, like, set of rituals and, and ways to atone, quote-unquote, for their public sins. As if yeah. they owe us something. I don't, I don't have any, like sociological or psychological knowledge of what fame does to people and especially in that like seems like it ain't good (laughs) no but it seems very (laughs) fucked up and just like kind of a drug sure yeah and you're constantly chasing yeah it's so like predicated on like validation from other people the whole thing the whole bit of it that from the casting which we see in this movie depicted where like julianne moore is really trying to get cast but not and like it's really fucking her up that she's not yes cast to like you need the validation from the audience yes and if you don't have it then you're nothing without a doubt i mean john cusack is really just uh, extracting validation by validating the like desperate celebrities and through all this even him like he's worried about his book tour yeah he still worries about the dumb bullshit that, like, watching this movie, you're just like, you're all wasting your time. The viewer mm-hmm. feels, I don't want to say, like, a sense of superiority, but, like, is is shown bare how, I keep saying shallow, just how useless it all is. Y'all are caring so much about something that, like, truly does not matter. Doesn't matter a bit. Yeah, this movie does presents that very well. It really is, like, a satire on Hollywood <laughs> and Hollywood people. Because it is like in the end, and we're almost getting to the part where it really pops off, but um, becomes 
really depraved and fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Even more so than the beginning, but like in a in a real way. Without a doubt. Um so so it can't just be considered pure satire because there is some fun violence, yeah. baby. <laughs> Um, all right, so Julianne Moore, this whole movie has been really trying to get the part in a remake of a movie that her mother was in mm-hmm. back in the day, and she wants to play the part that her mother played, which may be also partially responsible for why like her PTSD is like so insane at this moment. Yeah, she as well. She sees halluc- hallucinations of her mother throughout the movie. Yeah, of course. She's constantly, in interviews, she's being asked about her mother. Yeah. It's just constantly exposing herself to her trauma without actually processing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because she's just doing drugs and alcohol and stuff to push that stuff away. Cut it out. Bad. Um, <laughs> that bad to do. It is bad to do. <laughs> so the somebody else got cast in the part, and she's all let down, and that person's kid dies unexpectedly and so she ends up getting the part and (gasps) i love like how like depraved it is to show her like calling people and being like inwardly really excited but trying to be like oh i'm so sorry like how's she doing yeah and then like but also smiling like at the same same time it's when she's able to. oh it's what a tragedy (laughs) she's able to like (laughs) show how like joyful she is when she sees agatha right yeah and she like dances and it's just like i got the part it's like dead kid i got the part she sings that song na 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 hey 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 goodbye that's right (laughs) Yeah! And dances around. (laughs) Just like... Insane. Really sickening. And that's like part of just like how over the top, like depraved all these characters are. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. She rocks. She was great. Yeah. (laughs) So they go to the um, studio lot Mm -hmm. and Agatha is her assistant now. She's just running wild on these studio lots like, yeah she gets to go wherever she wants apparently she's romping around everywhere like straight up stalking people that she wants to find yeah she finds robert pattinson he looks insane he's he <laughs> says that he's like working on a Battlestar galactica like show and he has like this blonde wig he, he just looks so crazy looks and dumb. he's being so serious it's yeah. such a funny moment and just like another testament to like He's like an extra in this like really awful like dumb show. <laughs> yeah. But he's an actor. But he's an actor. He's an actor. So she runs into him. Then she finds her little brother and she's just straight up chilling in his trailer watching a film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's crazy that she just has this access. Yeah. This scene when they are first reunited, her and her little brother. Benji. Uh, just unfortunately, their whole situation... I was just like imprinting me and my brother onto and I couldn't help it, which I hate. Besides the incest stuff, there's no incest stuff with me and my brother, none at all. Okay, nothing weird. But we have like the same age difference. Uh, Each of us kind of look similar. Like I've had those haircuts when I was in her age and uh, my brother also has like short curly hair and uh, our familial roles were also similar of like when I was part of my family um, was like the crazy like unhinged person and my brother was like the child star oh yeah <laughs> so it was like very me. was very imprinting these characters onto me and my brother which i didn't love sure who who wants to think <laughs> about could not that? help 
No. Uh, my brother, uh, when he was younger, also used to love energy drinks for whatever that's worth. One time him, I was babysitting him and his friend when they had a sleepover, and uh, they drank a bunch of energy drinks and locked me in my bedroom. Oh, so. that's cool. That's <laughs> From a, the outside. Yeah, that's actually a very cool boy thing to do. I like that. <laughs> for hours, I was pounding on the door trying to get out of my own room. Anyway, my brother's a smart genius now. It's fucked up. So we find out their story here of what happened on that infamous night so many years ago, uh, that she lit the house on fire because she was having hallucinations, uh, and then they sent her to an inpatient hospital in Florida, uh, like a mental institution, Mm -hmm. which she aged out of, and that's why she's back. They couldn't keep her anymore. So she sees children and the saying she says out loud to make them go away is by this ring you are consecrated to me as my husband (laughs) which is an interesting saying to like how did she stumble upon like what was the first time of her finding out that that was the line (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but i would say that it is kind of unclear whether she is actually like full-on schizophrenic or something or if she's like a medium because the brother already has been seeing children as well yeah. and continues to but they are all real children who die so is he like a medium or are they just crazy unclear i would say yeah a little of column a a little of column b <laughs> that's your new catchphrase <laughs> oh that's been my catchphrase for a while oh yeah <laughs> it, it has a very specific situation you get to say it in i wish that my um first name no i don't wish that my first name rhymed with anything <laughs> It's actually my worst nightmare. <laughs> Bela. Um, Layla. <laughs> the only words are Layla the song. Gala, which nobody says, but means party. So hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Gala with Kayla. I definitely got that one a few times. I'm sure you did. People trying to call me gay in school. And they'd be like, haha, Gala. Like, yeah, that's a party. So <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're not invited. <laughs> Your insult is dumb. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did have a horrendous last name when I was in school, so oh, yeah. <laughs> did catch crap for that one. That rocks. Anyway, I'm spilling a little too many beans <laughs> on this episode. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I already said that that was what I have an issue doing. Go off. Um, John Cusack pays Agatha 10 grand to go away. I love it. They also mentioned that she's in 12-step. <laughs> it, like, comes up. <laughs> But it's never really addressed. They do. I, they say, like, okay. she's in 12 steps. <laughs> it's just, like, kind of thrown in and tossed away. Uh, never comes up again. Uh, she uh, does not use substances at all throughout the movie, I don't I don't believe. No, but she is on, oh, she's her on medication. prescribed medication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really understand the 12-step thing. He says something like, oh, you can't outrun the steps or something like that. Um, okay. The only part I didn't really get. Maybe I missed something. I don't know. So... She throws away all her pills at this point. Mm -hmm. Once she throws away the pills, I think that that is kind of the movie's way of saying like, okay, now this shit is really about to pop off and go off the rails. Like, curtains open, we're fully unhinged now, folks. Uh, Medications out, crazy in. Yes. Thumbs up. I kind of liked how like obvious of a metaphor that was in the movie. I don't know. I thought it was fun. Yeah, this is not a, a hard movie to comprehend. It's just, easy, I think, easily accessible. And it makes sure, you, yeah. but it makes you feel smart. It's just like, oh, are you paying attention? Well, we're going to give you goodies constantly. Yeah, you're rewarded for paying attention for sure. Yeah. 
And so she goes on a date with RP and they F. He gets the F too, babes, in this play. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. The next scene with Julianne Moore being constipated from the pain pills. Yep. Yep. And she's on the toilet. Just I got <laughs> Julianne Moore farts and then I drew a smiley face. Just farting and farting. <laughs> and like, that's one thing I love about Julianne Moore is that she is an A-list actress. I mean, she's up there with all the greats right she's a Meryl Streep she's a Reese Witherspoon she's up in all of them but she is so unafraid to like be disgusting and be ugly and be old and be whatever she needs to be she rules she's so fucking brave and cool and girl boss (laughs) girl boss but in the good way (laughs) not the corny way uh, we missed I'm just looking at my notes and it was just a little before the crazy grocery list what happens in the grocery list? It's just Oh, this is like in the same scene, right? When she's on the toilet, she's telling Agatha to go to the store to get a few things. Okay, I think it's that and it's just like Yeah. Clonopin, Xanax. Yeah. Every like you mentioned earlier, like mood altering, sedatives, uppers, downers, and she's just it's like four or five of these pills and then just yogi tea. And I <laughs> died at that because I'm just picturing someone who's just like fucking their brain up so much on just like up down up down up down and like Mm -hmm. no rest tons of substances and it's just like but we need that yogi tea yeah and like i would say that i also know people who maybe are not to this extent but who are similar like i'm gonna do all the drugs get fucked up like every day but also I'm so like working on meditation and I'm like connecting with the earth and like whatever. Yeah. And it's like, boy, you are so far from connected with the earth. You're fucking flying in outer space right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the same thing. And I think it's so funny. It rocks. <laughs> I would say a couple of the people I know who are the Reiki people who are like, yeah, I'm connecting with people's energies. They're also like the most, the most substance using people I yeah. know. Uh, you it's can't so constantly be dissociating. You can't even connect with your own yeah. energy. Like, <laughs> how are you supposed to connect with other people's energy? That's crazy. Anyway. And I love it. I'm here for the unhinged. It rocks. <laughs> it's just another layer. It's just a little, like I said, you get goodies if you pay attention. Yeah, for sure. And I just cannot get over Julianne Moore being the most, like, beautiful, like, A-list woman. Farting her way through this role. <laughs> So good. Because she's constipated from the pain pills. It's so funny. Then we get the scene where the boy sees the dead girl uh, who had the Hodgkin's lymphoma girl Mm -hmm. and the dead boy who was the other actor's son who drowned. He sees those two ghosts and decides he's going to do drugs. Yep. (laughs) And he gets GHB from somebody at a party. Isn't that the date date rape drug? Uh, I don't know. Yes, it is a date rape drug. Okay. Uh, That's what I thought. It's not the only one, but it's one. Look, I have said it earlier in the episode. I don't know shit about drugs. Yeah. I've never done drugs. But to me, I just happen to know that this is a date rape drug because I've watched too many Veronica Mars episodes. (laughs) But... But uh, seems like something you wouldn't just like take to get fucked up on. No. But is that just me? I don't know. No. Casual... This shows, like, how... How unhinged and over-the-top everything is. Yeah, it's not like, hey, Mm -hmm. I have a joint. It's like, hey, here's something that you could fall into a coma from if you took it the wrong way. You could black out and 
hmm, shoot yourself in the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because while on this freaking drug, he uh, holds his friend's gun? Yeah, is pointing it all around the room, then is playing like fucking Russian roulette to his own head, yep. which you knew like... The whole time, like, my heart was beating. I was, like, sweating. And I'm like, something bad's going to happen here. And it's going to be shocking. And I was sweating. Yeah. Just holding the gun to his head. Click. Holding the gun to his head. Click. Holding a gun to his friend. Click. click like. And then to the dog. Boom. boom. Dead dog. R.I.P. dog. <laughs> Woof. If I may say so myself. <laughs> Look, I tell you what. I do not like animal deaths in my movies. No. But... This wasn't that graphic, though. No, this was handled really well. Oh, you know what else? What? Fucking devil all the time. Yeah? Dead dog. Did not like that dead dog. But just another connection. Oh, yeah. These How strange. Same movies. It's weird how much similar they have yeah, going on. Yeah, it really is. So then the daughter, Agatha, finally shows up and sees her mom for the first time, is reunited with her mom for the first time. Yeah. And, um is popping off, calling back to earlier when she mentioned that her parents were brother and sister, that she says stuff like she wondered why she always had visions of marrying her brother and then found, like, their journals, and it all made sense because she found out that her parents, uh, John Cusack and this other, the woman from Sixth Sense, were brother and sister, and they got married and had two kids. Effed up. Very effed up. And John Cusack comes home and beats the fuck out of her. <laughs> yeah. He goes from zero to 90 in a second. I mean, like, at first, mm -hmm. he's just, like, pissed off at seeing her. Uh, and then when he finds out what she's accusing, he's terrifying. And he's, like, a kind of a wiener character. Not that intimidating, but it's, you know, it's scary. He's thinking about his book tour yeah. and how it's going to get fucked up by her accusations. <laughs> yeah, just beats the fuck out of her. But in the jumble, she has stolen her mother's wedding ring. They come up again here in a minute, but we cut back to the boy. The boy has had a bit through the whole movie where he's doing this movie with a younger kid yeah. and the younger kid says, well, I don't remember exactly what the line is. I didn't write it down, but something like, what's a vabina? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so he just calls him like a vabina motherfucker or whatever for like the whole movie. It's, yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> Like, this little vibina <laughs> motherfucker is outshining me. It's so funny. Really funny. But they go to the bathroom together, and over the little vibina kid's head, <laughs> he sees the dead girl saying, love is stronger than death, which is what the sister just said yeah. when she was with the parents, I want to love stronger than death. He chokes the little girl. Uh, which turns out to actually be the little boy, and he fucking murders this little boy. I mean, he doesn't kill him, but he like. I think he kills him, doesn't he? No, they say he'll be. They say like he'll be okay at some point. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I thought he killed him. I mean, <laughs> he he. The kid goes to sleep. Either it's... way, he's lights out and it's fucked up. Yeah, very fucked up. <laughs> that's all. That's a point was made. Yeah. And then the the mean boy is put into a mental institution. Yeah. And he ends up giving the orderly 10 grand to let him leave the hospital. 10 grand seems to be the running price. Drop in the bucket. <laughs> when the mom goes to visit him in the hospital, <laughs> she says, like, now the whole world will know that we've done crimes. Like, her and the dad are talking about. Yeah. What crimes have they done? I, Just the incest? Does it matter? 
No, but I think it's funny. No. I think the verbiage is funny. I wrote and, that uh, down and too. And he's just worried about, he's worried about his book tour yeah. doing bad. Again, like, this movie's <laughs> not subtle. It really just, not a subtle satire. It's very fucking blatant what they're pointing out. Yeah. They don't love each other. They're not actually, like, caring for one another as people or anything. They're out for themselves. They're just seeing how they can get ahead. All they care about is their fucking image. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and like that's all she cares about. They'll know. They'll know yeah. we've done crimes. No, no matter that my son is like in rehab and in a hospital for like maybe murdering or at least attacking another small boy. Yeah. Um, my daughter is like on the loose, <laughs> being crazy. <laughs> no matter for those things, uh, I'm worried that the world will know we've done crimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good like punctuated note near the end um yeah and we are nearing the end so julianne moore requests robert pattinson's chauffeur services mm-hmm. um and in the car he says that he's trying to write a script about having sex with agatha because of her like disfigurement yeah which is another like fucked up yep. hollywood thing <laughs> Just using people uh, to get something. Totally sick. And Julianne Moore is being super horny in the vaccine. Whoa, whoa, what? And turns out they got to stop and F wait, in wait, the driveway wait, wait, in the car. Wait, wait. And apparently shooting this was like 100 degrees outside. <laughs> and Robert Pattinson like had a meltdown. <laughs> Poor baby. Because he, got, because he got too hot and sweaty. Hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm just sweating like huge drops onto Julianne Moore's back. And she's not sweating at all because she's a queen. And <laughs> he had a meltdown. Aw. He was in another Cronenberg movie right before this, too. Yeah, Cosmopolis. And, yeah, and he also had sex in the back of a limo in that very movie. Very cool, so. very cool. My, my, my man <laughs> ty- stays blinking. typecast. <laughs> typecast as a man who has sex in cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, of course, Agatha sees the betrayal. So once Julia Moore goes in the house, she roasts Agatha for not showing up for two days and is just popping off yeah. on Agatha. Um, she smells. She's dirty. She got her period on the couch. Ooh. Okay, period representation. Love to see it. <laughs> and so Agatha uh, has to just lose it and kills her with an award, which is Cronenberg's actual genie award a film award given in canada and he has five of them in his personal collection and it's his actual award that she kills julianne moore with (laughs) yeah it's funny and then you like the scene goes on like she hits her in the head you know like seven times yeah and there's just more blood each time uh Mm -hmm. the tone shifting of the movie baffled me at that point because i didn't know how to react and i you know what I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody's just truly becoming so unhinged because, like, the boy kills the kid or whatever is the kid. Mm -hmm. Agatha comes home and kills her. And then when John Cusack goes home, his wife is on fire, possibly killing herself or... (laughs) We we are given no explanation for the fire, huh? None at all. (laughs) And then he pushes her into the pool where she presumably dies. Yep. And then when the kid goes home to get his dad's ring, John Cusack is like catatonic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's, he could be dead. I read that he was catatonic, but who knows? It's up for interpretation. Takes his ring off and then the brother and sister lay down together, take the pills, wear the rings. And it's so like 
Oh, I had 13 summers. That's not too bad. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> all right, this is what it is. And they kiss and wow. they die together. And by this ring, you're consecrated to be my husband. And uh, liberty. Yeah. They really wove that poem in and out of this movie oh, and yeah. made it apply to many of the characters. I think it originally comes in the movie as Julianne Moore's mother's reading it in the original movie. Oh, yeah. Truly goes in and out of this movie, and I think that... I already said it, but it can't be understated that I think the screenwriting is genius on this film. (laughs) I think it's so good. Yeah, it's really incredible. I agree. And that's roll creds. That's a tight 140. Yeah. Almost as long as this episode so far. (laughs) (laughs) But we're smart. Are we fun? I think we are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just as fun as watching the movie. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, so um, did we miss anything, or should we go right into rating this out of five? That's all I got. So what do you rate this out of five? You know, this morning, just watching it, I give it a three and a half. But talking about it, baby, it bumps it up to a four. It's a fun movie. Yeah. How about you? Um, You know, I think exactly the same. Twins. Twins. Oh, we're back on our twin vibe. (laughs) Twins are back on our bullshit, baby. (laughs) I am dancing. You can't see, but just imagine it. So yeah, twin fours. I would say I felt that the cinematography was lacking a bit. Like this movie didn't really look cool. And like I said, a lot of it seemed like it was green screened randomly, which I didn't really understand. But everything else about it was... A plus number five, you know? Like, oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. And I want to watch it again. Oh, yeah? I'm like, excited to want to watch it again. Yeah, because I just think I'm going to pick up more stuff. Like, I was just watching a YouTube video, uh, uh, just a clip before recording, and Julianne Moore, like, comes out of a store and is just like, oh, I can't believe I just spent $13,000. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, are we going now? Yeah, I remember that line. <laughs> I didn't notice that first time around, but, like, there's these little, like, twinkles all through yeah. it, you know? And um, I feel like I'll just keep picking up more and more watching it again. Totally. And I'll get to hear Robert Pattinson be like, possibly from Brooklyn, possibly from... Just bouncing around America. (laughs) I'll tell you, weirdly, I think that he was one of the lesser shining people in this movie. Like, it could have... I'd feel like his character could have been someone else and it wouldn't have mattered that much. Yeah, I totally agree with you. As much as we love RP and we do stand... We love E. And we have stand the choices he made in this film. Oh, yeah. Have and will. Yeah, I do feel like he could have been replaceable with anyone, yeah. really. Yeah. The only scene where it wouldn't have been as funny with a different person was when he was in the blonde wig, because that's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, solid fours, baby, yeah? and yes, we recommend. Yeah, definitely watch this stuff. And this is on Netflix, so this is an easy one. Now it's time for Screen Vomit. All right, what the freak have you been watching? Oh, finally. Okay. I can say what I've been wanting to say all GD movie. Or what? Uh, I recently watched Mulholland Drive for the first time. Okay. And Maps of the Stars has big Mulholland Drive energy. Okay. Um, in the sa- set in LA, it shows like LA's depravity, you know, how it chews people up, spits them out, vignettes of people at varying points in their, you know, Hollywood career. The only difference is 
I think Mulholland Drive is better. Mulholland Drive rocks. Oh. Big Def Watch. Okay. I went in, and I am not a Twin Peaks fan. I mm-hmm. And I, honest to God, fucking hate the David Lynch discourse. And okay. so I went in like, okay. Do you like any other David Lynch stuff besides Twin Peaks? N- not seen anything else. Oh, okay. So I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll watch it. And I'm always opened to being owned. And I was owned. David Lynch is a great director because <laughs> Mulholland Drive fucking <laughs> rules. Very, very good. Then we watched Devil M. Night Shyamalan's. Never heard of it. Don't watch it. It's boring. It's fine. <laughs> I, I don't even know why I wrote it down. Oh, that's... Huh. The other night, Lindsay made us watch New Moon. So you're going to watch the rest of the Twilight scene? You didn't even invite me? <laughs> <sighs> I'm not watching the rest now. I think I remember the second one being my least favorite, it I think. It sucks so much. I've done it. I did the thing where <laughs> I, I make fun of something so much, ironically, that I, I say, like, oh, Twilight. I love Twilight so much that, like, when I do watch Twilight, I'm like, haha, this is bad, but it's bearable. But now it's gone. The parody has gone too far. <laughs> Fuck this. I hate the goddamn Twilight movies now. Fuck them. Did Edward come back or is he just gone for that whole He comes movie? back and it sucks. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was the next movie he comes back or not. But my silver lining to the end of the movie, that <laughs> after like two hours of bullshit that I didn't care about and some god-awful acting from all parties involved, uh-huh. I realized the money that K-Stu and... Arpat made off these terrible pieces of shit definitely gave them the financial security they needed to be able to do whatever crazy bullshit roles they enjoy doing. Hell yeah. And they're a blessing to Earth. They are. And you know what? (laughs) We have to thank the Twilight movies for that. I just watched an interview with RP earlier where he was somebody was asking him like, oh, do you think like you'll do more mainstream stuff like Twilight Mm -hmm. or will you keep doing like these weird, crazy films that you keep picking? And he was like, honestly, I think Twilight's a lot more unhinged than any of the other films. Yes, I I can honestly God, that's unhinged because it doesn't make any fucking sense. And it's bad. It's bad. He was like, they wrote this really specific story about a very specific thing happening and made it stretch on for five movies <laughs> that's the insane thing i can't i can't watch them i'm not watching any more of them i'm putting my fucking foot down like i was so i was sad into the next day until i watched another movie i was like oh my god the second one's the worst though it gets better after that i never feel like i waste my time because hey every second is a blessing from god but uh <laughs> That was a wasted two hours. <laughs> you heard it here, Fuck folks. New Moon. Anyway, what have you been watching? Oh, I love when Kali gets to pop off. Um, okay, so I've watched two things. Okay. First of all, I, fi- I finished Insecure. Oh, hell yeah. And I love the final season mm-hmm. that's up now because it is, I think, still a- an ongoing show. The final season was the most emotionally evolved season yet yeah that they really did some cool stuff with the relationships in that season i didn't always love what was going on with the romantic relationships but the friendships were really good and they set up some cool stuff for the next season hell yeah that i think will be interesting to see how they tackle that so insecure thumbs up good decent show Bling. not i wouldn't say it's incredible it's a fine good show yeah uh and we love isa already been said yep. then i did watch 
something unhinged. Okay. And what I've learned is that whenever gay Twitter starts popping off about something <laughs> simultaneously, don't watch it. It's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to be the worst stuff you've are ever you, seen. Are you generalizing that <laughs> queer folk who use Twitter have bad film opinions? No, not queer folk who use Twitter. Gay Twitter. It's a specific thing. Okay, okay. And I think we'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, so... Gay Twitter started popping off about Emily in Paris. I think it's supposed to be said Emily in Paris. Um, okay, there's your first clue. <laughs> Ugh, shut up. It's Paris. And I was just wanting like a um, kind of bubblegum show anyway. So I wasn't offended that the premise is so thin, but it is like the worst show I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> the premise is it's so thin and they really bring it up every single episode that the main drama is this girl from Chicago uh-huh. who is a marketing executive moves to Paris and guess what? what? She doesn't know the language. Holy shit. <laughs> what a crazy choice. <laughs> she starts an Instagram and becomes an influencer on accident just by hashtagging Emily in Paris. Suddenly she has 20,000 followers. Gah! And she has, I would say, not a personality trait to be found. Uh, not not one interest or personality trait at all. She does say that she has an interest in fashion. The fashion is fucking unhinged. She's like wearing like a felt bucket hat at one point. Like her fashion's absolutely unhinged. It does not make sense. Um, she does have a master's degree, but everyone treats her like she's a dumb baby and she acts like a dumb baby. Um, so like, what's the deal but there? like a hot dumb baby. She is very attractive. Okay. She also loves being sexually assaulted and having her boundaries violated by literally every man she meets, which is fucking insane. Why do people... I just bumped my mic because I got so upset. Why do people like watching this? Every man she meets, she'll be like, we just have a business relationship. There's nothing weird here. And then they like cross boundaries and like kiss her and she like does a little smile and like a teehee and now she loves them like constantly every single man that she meets in this story in this show because (laughs) all right fucking judge me but i did watch the entire season you always do (laughs) i'm a completist you really are every single man she encounters Uh is attracted to her and like tries to fuck her tries to kiss her tries to date her Whatever, literally every single man she meets, even when she verbally expresses that she's not interested in them, does not want to pursue anything with them, they will pursue her and cross boundaries with her, and then she loves She'll it. She'll relent. She's never bothered. She it, she doesn't <sighs> ever express that she's uncomfortable with what's happening, even though I, the viewer, am uncomfortable. I can see this man with that creep-ass smile on doing fucked up shit to this young girl. She loves it. It's just like when we watch Devil All the Time, <laughs> when the young girl gets um, assaulted and she comes out and is like, I love the man, instead of being like, I'm upset and now I have issues. Yeah. She loves the man. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It's not realistic. And I think that it's actually harmful messaging to not only young women, but also men who already think that they can just I agree. do this. It's harmful. And I would say, don't watch Emily in Paris. Don't. You know? What? Lindsay had the same analysis of New Moon, that it is literally harmful for young girls to watch Mm -hmm. a story about a young girl doing anything to get attention from these 
men who treat her terribly. The Twilight series is extremely harmful in that sense. It's really just like, yeah, we should, we're not for banning books, but we should ban those books. They're not good for the audience. (laughs) Yeah, but if you're older, you can laugh at it or whatever. But yeah, I think the messaging is harmful. And guess what? Emily in Paris already greenlit for a second season. Second season is coming, unfortunately. Bum, bum, bum. Um, you going to watch it? Don't watch the show. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You're as unhinged as the freaking... I am unhinged. You're unhinged right, now. Look. In this time, in this world, can we all just lose a hinge or two? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I can't be faulted for my choices in this moment no, in history. No, you can't. We're so. all we're all we're all the Joker to some extent. But I'm on the I'm on the good side of this. Like I recognize that this show is fucked up, and I worry for people who watch it and don't acknowledge the fucked upness of no, it. No, totally. That's what that's what worries me. You know. Yeah. It was actually uncomfortable to watch because there were a lot of creepy, creepy men, and she says like, "Oh, haha! I just thought he was being French in the show." Jesus. Um. No, it's fucked up. I had to pop off. So sorry. Hey, it's it's a popping off kind of night. It is, boy. We've been popping off from T to B. Bing, bing. We're here. We're, we're we've shown up today somehow. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm loving it. <laughs> All right. That's that. That's another perfect episode. Is it time episode. for plugs already? Yeah. All right, babies. So that's the uh, end of the episode here. We would need to plug mm-hmm. our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd. We're everywhere you can find uh, online. At Screen Vomit, one word on all the things. Subscribe on your podcast app if you haven't already. We're also on Spotify and on YouTube. So give us a subscribe on one thing or all the things. Go crazy. Yeah, go clicky, clicky. <laughs> click, click, click. Okay, you have the internet. You know where it's at. And then while you're there... Leave us a freaking rating and review. Yeah. Because that would just be very nice. Give us five stars. Give us one stars. Give us a five stars. I would say if you're going to do less than three, don't bother. (laughs) (laughs) People will never find us online again. We would be shamed. You can also send us an email at screenrummetpod at gmail.com. Or tweet us with your thoughts on this movie or other movies. Did we miss something? Do you got a question? Whatever. Send us a DM. Maybe I, that could go south. Don't go south with your DMs. Um, check out Kali's other podcast, How to Fire Your Boss, Bing. also on all the things, yep. where he gets to be a smart boy. And then also next week, we will be watching Black Swan. Ooh. Okay, get ready for this one. That should be interesting. I've never seen. So watch the film, hit the up, and we'll see you next time, babies. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.